Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive topics such as sexual assault. It's important to take care of yourself while listening. Some suggestions are listening while you're in a healthy headspace or knowing who you can reach out to if you become upset. Our 24-7 helpline for crisis calls based out of Central Florida is 407-500-HEAL. By contacting the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673, you can get support and learn about your local resources. There's always someone ready to help. the Victim Service Center podcast. Here we sit down with professionals that serve survivors and victims of trauma or those who have experienced violence and have conversations about social issues. This week, we are talking about self-care. My name is Emily Mitchell, and I am the education coordinator at the Victim Service Center. With me today, I have Emily Rivera. Emily is currently a crisis counselor and victim advocate for survivors of sexual assault and other traumatic events. She holds a master's in mental health counseling and is a registered intern with the state of Florida pursuing licensure. Emily, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm so excited. (laughs) I also have with me Yasmin Flasterstein. Yasmin is a young Hispanic and bisexual leader in the mental health and LGBTQ plus community. Yasmin has been named one of 2019's most remarkable people by watermark magazine and is currently the co-founder and executive director of peer support space yasmin thank you as well for being here hey emily thank you so much for having me of course and um just as a brief introduction of the topic today self-care is being talked about a lot lately everywhere including social media of course The World Health Organization actually defines self-care as what people do for themselves to establish and maintain health and to prevent and deal with illness. It is a broad concept that encompasses hygiene, nutrition, lifestyle, and environmental factors. So what we are looking to explore in this episode is what is self-care? How can we benefit from it? And how can we continue self-care while in physical isolation. So with that in mind, I wanted to first ask you, Yasmin, how do you define self-care? Yeah, you're right. Self-care is so broad and it's something that I think we each have our own definitions for. Uh, For me, self-care is something, any activity or thing that we do deliberately in order to take care of ourselves either physically or mentally. Uh, And it's something that's really important when we're both well or not well. And it's something that I think looks different for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that you said that, um, that it is different for everybody. And I wanted to actually ask you too, Emily, how do you define self-care? I mean, honestly, like Yasmin, you just answered it perfectly. Um, Just to reiterate, yes, it is very broad. But it's something that we we do for ourselves. It's it's self love. It's how we 
reduce anxiety and improve our mood. Um, it helps with our relationships. So it's a very well-rounded, but it's, it's healthy. It's getting us back to a healthy place. Awesome. Thank you so much. So Yasmin, why is self-care important to you? Yeah, I think that self-care is important because working in the healing profession, you can't pour from an empty cup. And in general, as people, we just can't pour from an empty cup. Um, a lot of times when I hear self-care, I hear radical self-care, this concept of taking care of yourself actually being radical. And I think it's because we live in a world that tells us that being a martyr, a person that dies for something they believe in is something to strive for. And we're told to not overly love ourselves and to be humble. Uh, so I think we need to break the notion that we you know, need to break every bone in our body before we take care of ourselves mentally. It's something we wouldn't do for physical health. It's something we do for mental health. Um, so because of that, I think self-care is so important because um, you, you know, as much as you might want to help other people and come from this place of selflessness that society teaches us is to strive for, uh, you can't actually do that unless you take care of yourself. You're not just doing an injustice to yourself, but you're also doing an injustice to the people that you do want to help. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, so have you heard people saying that self-care is like a radical concept lately? Yeah, I I love the concept of radical self-care, um, kind of unapologetically uh, loving yourself and taking care of yourself, uh, not asking permission to take care of yourself and, you know, just love it on yourself. And, you know, as though you were in the midst of a Lizzo song you know, dancing alone in your room. Like that's the kind of level of self-love we need. Um, I think we need to not hold back and, and really care for ourselves and love on ourselves the way we would others. I love that. Yeah. I actually haven't heard of the term radical self-care. So I like the idea of taking it that next step. So thanks so much for sharing. Um, and I wanted to throw it back to you, Emily. What, why is self-care important to you? Uh, well, I I'll be honest, being in the mental health profession, um, we are giving often. And it's funny when I'm sitting with a client and I'm like, oh man, like you, you need to love yourself more. And then I, when I'm giving them this feedback, I start to realize, whoa, <laughs> I should be doing this for myself as well. Um, so just kind of going back again with what Yasmin was saying, like you can't give if you're empty. Uh, you know, we're one vessel and obviously we're relational beings. And, you know, if you are drained dry, then what do you have to give to others? In fact, you, you end up hurting people in that process if you do not take care of yourself. So for me, it's, it's huge. It's extremely important to take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about peer support space, Yasmin? Um, and then how can peer support be a form of self-care? Yeah, so peer support space is communal care. Um, so it's people taking care of one another. We're a new grassroots organization. We're made entirely up of people that have lived experience with mental health challenges or overcoming obstacles to mental wellness, whether that's challenge challenges with substance use, grief, grief, trauma, you know, mental illness aside, we all have mental health. Uh, so we build diverse peer-led recovery communities for communities that are most deeply impacted by suicide with the least access to uh, culturally competent resources. So we have a drop-in center. We do events to destigmatize mental health. Um, but all in all, we're building diverse peer-led recovery communities, uh, spaces where people can take care of one another. 
Um, and I think that's something that's also really important to note is that, you know, we have to stop yelling at people to self-care when what they need is communal care. Sometimes it's really hard to take care of yourself and, and you need a support system to kind of help you through that until you have the energy to care for yourself. Um, but I think the other part you asked is, is how peer support can be a form of self-care. Uh, I think we're all social creatures, uh, which makes right now extremely difficult. Uh, so making that space to connect with others authentically and being vulnerable and sharing our concerns in spaces where it's safe to do so, I think that can be an incredible form of self-care and self-keeping, especially if that's something that makes you anxious, you know, so fighting that urge of, you know, I'm, I'm nervous to connect with other people and doing it anyways, you know, that's that's an act of self-care. I love that. And I, I, I hadn't heard the term like communal care as well. Um, but it seems like it's really, really important. And I think, um, yeah, it can be a sense of self-care as well. Thanks so much, Yasmin. Um, so, uh, Emily, I wanted to check from a mental health perspective. You know, how do you think self-care impacts someone's mental health? Absolutely. So uh, it, it goes hand in hand. Um, you know, the more that you are spending time with yourself and feeding yourself, you're going to reduce things like anxiety, depression, um, relationships are going to improve again, because you have more to give. It puts you in the right headspace. Uh, we know life is very difficult, especially in this time. So this more than any time is the time to be practicing our self-care um, just to keep us stable. Grounded. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, so we talked a lot about, you know, why self-care is important, but what are some like specific ways in which you practice self-care, Yasmin? Yeah. Um, you know, so a year ago, I launched a grassroots organization, which has been really hard work. So self-caring has been so important. And I had to learn ways to self-care both on the go and on a budget. Um, so some ways I self-care include saying no more uh, when I'm at capacity, uh, drinking water. I don't drink enough water. I actually, I write it on my mirror with Expo marker. So when I look at myself in the morning, it says, go drink some water. Um, calling friends to vent on drives in between meetings, uh, going for walks, uh, taking a 10 minute break to scroll memes. I follow certain Facebook pages that make me laugh or Reddit threads. Um, so I'll, I'll take 10 minutes and say, hey, I'm scrolling for this 10 minutes, but I put a cap on it. Um, and I spend as much time as I can in nature and, you know, setting boundaries as to what hours I am available during also for work. Um, so those are some ways that, that I self-care. Yeah, thank you so much. I like that you have a sort of schedule, too. I feel like you've prioritized self-care in a sense and made it part of your day, which is amazing. I think that I will definitely take that with me. <laughs> um, and um, I wanted to check with you, Emily, why do you think some people think, and, and I think Yasmin was talking a little bit about the martyrdom that people feel like they have to endure in our society, but why do you think some people think that self-care is actually a selfish thing? I would say individually, sometimes we just hold a lot of guilt and shame, whether it's been from our social group or from society kind of placing that stigma that, you know, if you're doing something for yourself, you're not giving to others. Um, so again, that's why I like to switch self-care and I like to interchange it sometimes with self-love um, because how can you go against love, right? Like if I'm loving myself, that's, that is not a selfish act. Um, so 
that's why I'll interchange. Brene Brown put it perfectly. She said, talk to yourself like you would talk to someone you love. Yeah. I love that. That's so simple, but so profound at the same time. Thank you so much. I love that. Um, So speaking of how there is isolation going on right now and, um, and it's been, you know, a stressful time for a lot of people. Um, Yasmin, are there any resources that people could benefit from during these times, like online support groups or blogs, something like that? Yeah, there's a lot of resources and, you know, just kind of reiterating what I said before, everybody heals differently. So finding what works for you. Um, So whether that be calling a friend or connecting with an existing support system, uh, but if you don't have a support system, there's a lot of really awesome virtual support out there right now. Uh, Peer Support Space is just one of those places. One of our groups, uh, Peer Support Space Online group, it's a closed Facebook group. Uh, People post what they're going going through and then that communal care people comment and uh, give feedback or advice or share similar experiences Um, there's a great organization letters against depression where you can share a little bit of your story and people volunteers handwrite messages of hope to you Um, it's also a way if you heal through helping and you want to volunteer and write letters um, you know there's peer support spaces having daily digital communal gatherings at 12 p.m and 6 p.m monday to saturday And there's also activity based groups, you know, a lot of people kind of don't like support groups or, you know, feel some type of way about it. And that's okay. It might not be for everybody, um, you know, but there's, you know, we have a creative writing group tomorrow. So people that want to connect over writing Um, and I've seen all sorts of stuff, choirs connecting over Zoom, um, you know, people like uh, building and comparing forts and Facebook groups. So, oh, cool. you know, just find whatever your hobby is, whatever makes you smile and do a good old Google search because there's a lot of really good content out there. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And, and I think that there's so many, I love the diversity that you kind of mentioned of the different activities that you could do. Um, I think, again, going back to how self-care is individual um, and, whatever makes you feel good is, is really what that is. And really prioritizing that too. Um, Emily, I wanted to ask you what, how are people being challenged during the pandemic regarding their need for humor and interaction and support? Well, like I had said earlier, we are relational beings. So there are outliers. There are people who can thrive off of being alone as well, but for the mass majority, we go to work with other individuals. We have social groups, we have families. Um, and a lot of that's just kind of been ripped away from us like very quickly. Um, and it's been a couple months now and we've definitely had to adapt. So, you know, the challenge is things didn't just close down, but we've had to stay isolated to reduce the spread of this pandemic. And, um, you know, it's trying a new norm, which is being alone, and, um, you know, I've, a lot of the um, survivors that have been coming to us have really also been struggling with the isolation because sometimes relationships are what get them through and, you know, help them see the next day. So um, really had to come up with some creative ways to continue our relationships with others um, during this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, Yasmin, can you uh, talk about, 
you know, speaking of the challenges that, you know, we've been going through as a society and as individuals, can you talk about how peer support space has been operating before and now during this pandemic? Yeah, I really miss pre-pandemic world. Um, so during uh, normalcy, uh, we have uh, community gatherings uh, for communities that are most deeply impacted by mental health challenges. Uh, so some examples of that are aging women, veterans, uh, domestic violence survivors, uh, people working towards body positivity, transgender individuals, gender non-conforming individuals, LGBTQ plus Asians. Uh, so we have over um, 12 communities uh, that we have community gatherings for. So those are people that are just connecting with other people that have shared lived experience. Um, some of them do social, some of them do activities, open floor. It's really up to the community what their community looks like, which is really cool. Everything's made in a peer led process. And then we also have a drop in center in Kissimmee. It is temporarily closed down during COVID. Uh, but this is a space where people can meet one-on-one -on -one with the peer specialist so they can drop on in instead of having to wait a week or a month to meet with their therapist and they can talk to someone who's been there before they can build their support system with other people that have similar lived experiences and they can also find hobbies that they enjoy um, you know one of the biggest reasons for relapse is boredom and it's really hard to define who you are outside of your depression. So we have cooking classes and gardening classes and how to make friendship bracelets and music. Um, and we also have an introvert room. So people that just need a safe space. Uh, I just need to be around people right now. I'm an introvert. Um, so it's a room with really nice fuzzy blankets and chairs and you're not allowed to talk to each other. Um, and I, I think COVID kind of showed why something like that is important. You know, like I'm <laughs> introverted. It's not that I miss, um, you know, like uh, interacting with people, but I miss like being around people. Like I didn't realize how important that was. Um, so, you know, just having a space like that. And then we also have events uh, to destigmatize mental health because we think if we don't destigmatize mental health, no one's going to use these resources anyways. Um, and it's really cool. We invite the community in to do those movements. So right now we have a Black Mental Health Matters movement, and it's completely community led. Anybody that is a part of the Black community or an ally to it uh, is welcome to come in and strategize, hey, what do we want to do? And then peer support space from an organizing standpoint helps make that happen. Um, so that's what we normally do right now during COVID. Uh, we launched right away uh, digital communal gatherings at 12 p.m. and 6 p.m. each day. Uh, they normally start with a question like a cereal soup, why or why not? Something just totally not COVID related and we talk about it. And then each person takes turns checking in. They can pass, you can have your video on or off, whatever makes you most comfortable. And then after you share, um, you get to say whether you're open to feedback or advice or if you just wanted to share. And we normally end with some sort of wholesome uplifting video. So those have been really good at keeping people connected, uh, helping people have a support system to see one another. And then those community gatherings that are normally in person are now virtual. Um, so all of those population specific groups are still meeting um, and we're starting our creative writing group uh, as well. Interesting. Yeah, I'm really glad that you're able to still have those spaces for people. Um, is there any plan like, well, first, I wanted to also ask, are people, um, you know, what's the general feedback? Are people missing meeting in person? Do they or do they prefer kind of, hey, this is a little easy for me to connect? How, how have you seen that? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and I think we're learning as uh, most places are learning as we go. Um, but we've actually learned that for some groups, uh, this is actually really helpful. We have a group diversability, which is for people uh, with diverse abilities or that live with chronic pain conditions or chronic mental health conditions. A lot more people attend our digital gatherings than they ever did in person. And that's because when you're in a lot of pain, it's hard to get somewhere in person sometimes. Um, we had the, you know, some people that moved away that got to reconnect with their peer support space friends. Um, we've had people join in from California, from Paris, from Massachusetts. Uh, we've had nearly 900 callers uh, with well over 100 calls since the beginning of COVID. So they've been really, really well attended. Um, but we've also learned this is harder for some people. So, you know, our autistic adult group, um, it's hard to have so much visual stimuli coming in uh, when you have autism. Um, so that's a group where it's difficult. Our aging women group, it's difficult to learn technology. So it is harder for a lot of people. So while it's helpful, I think people really are missing that component, you know, like we, we have someone that comes on the call and just, you know, says how bad she just wants a hug every day. And, you know, like that's something that we need as humans and human connection. So I don't think it fully replaces in person. I think it's great that we have this. Um, we will continue to have virtual groups, uh, not twice a day, every day, um, but we're gonna continue virtual because we don't wanna lose our friends from Massachusetts and other states. And we don't wanna lose the people that may have agoraphobia or social anxiety and be afraid to leave their home or feel more comfortable with their video off. You know, our groups for the LGBTQ plus community, we've had people join with their video off that aren't out and would never come to an in-person meeting and they can actually ask questions and, you know, get support in a way they wouldn't otherwise. So, you know, it, it really has been um, both positives and negatives to it. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I can I could definitely see it. And that was my going to be my other question, you know, moving forward um, as things start to open up and stuff. Um, but it does seem that a lot of people are still going to benefit from the virtual and the in-person. So that's really cool. I um, wanted to ask you, Emily, um, you know, how does the Victim Service Center offer support for individuals and their self-care during these times? Sure. We've been really fortunate to continue our services through this pandemic, um, which I have been grateful for. Uh, we've just had to modify it a little bit. So right now, of course, we're doing everything via uh, telehealth, so either by the phone or virtual. But we're still taking an intakes daily. Um, we're still resuming our sessions with our um, former clients and current clients. And we've actually started some online groups as well. We've got some support groups running. Um, they can be as specific to the uh, survivors of LGBTQ community. And then we have some that are just open to survivors of traumatic events. Um, that information can be found either by calling our office because it is still um, operating from eight to five, Monday through Friday. We have an advocate that's always available, so you can call and get that information, or you can go on our website, victimservicecenter.org, and um, you can kind of just scroll through and see what we have going on there. We also have a 24-hour uh, hotline, and it's great if you are you know, feeling like maybe you're in a crisis and you need some grounding skills, you need some information pertaining to uh, a criminal justice case, we can possibly assist you with that as well, or we can give you the information to our office um, so that maybe you can continue services there. 
Awesome. Yeah, I'm really glad that we were able to move to telehealth so quickly. Um, And I kind of wanted to check in with you as well. What are some of the feedback that you've heard from clients? Are they missing face-to-face? Are they okay with telehealth? Do you have any feedback that you've heard? Sure. Uh, For the most part, honestly, I feel like I've stayed busier with my clients (laughs) since we've been, and some of that's probably just because they're they're needing that extra support. Um, but I find like transportation issues have always been a little bit of a, a factor in people coming to our office. Um, sometimes people just forget and then it's too late to drive to our office. Mm-hmm. So I think people feel comfortable in their home. And so it's just making it more accessible to schedule a time and they're there. Um, I've had a few, of course, that are kind of like you, Yasmin, are like, I just need a hug. I just need like to see a person. Um, but for the most part, um, stayed pretty busy, which again, I'm grateful for because it means that we're being utilized during this time. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, Yasmin, what is the best, what is your best advice I should say for people who are not motivated to do self-care? Yeah. I mean, I'd say be compassionate with yourself. It's really hard. Like at the end of the day, we're going through a period of prolonged stress right now. uh, And, you know, uh, going through a long period of trauma physically alters your brain and makes it harder to function, Um, you know? So I think redefining what self-care is, you know? So self-care used to be, you know, I'm going for a jog and I'm doing this and I'm meal prepping. You know, self-care today might be, I'm going to get out of bed and brush my teeth today. You know, being compassionate with yourself and what self-care means right now. Um, I know for me, when I'm not doing well, it's hard to think of what I need. Um, So on days when I am doing well, I like to create what I call a daily maintenance list. And I write down, you know, brush your teeth, feed your dog, uh, don't look at a screen for 30 minutes and just kind of like stuff to try to do the next day. And I'm compassionate with myself when I don't do all of those things the next day, because at least I wrote them down and I have a self-awareness that I'm not doing well. And that in itself is an accomplishment. Um, So it's it's hard to be motivated to self-care right now. So, you know, just really doing your best and not beating yourself up when you don't make your goals, um, giving yourself some credit that this is just a really hard time right now. And that's totally valid. Uh, Redefining what products have what productivity um, looks like right now, uh, knowing that your value is not um, a direct correlation of um, your productivity uh, and who you are as a person. And to just be mindful that you really do need to do your best to take care of your body and mind proactively before you're at a point where you're being forced to pay attention in a loud way down the road. Um, So, you know, making sure that we're self-caring while we're well, uh, not just when we're not well. And maybe, you know, having an accountability friend that you tell what, you know, your goals are, what you'd like to do or how you want to be supported. Um, I know what I like to do with my friends is, you know, I tell them, hey, reach out to me anytime. And I'm going to tell you if I don't have the emotional or physical capacity to help you right now. And I want you to do the same. And if you never tell me no, I'm not going to reach out to you anymore. I'm going to assume you're a big fat liar, you know, so I kind of have this friend where we know we can reach out to each other um, because sometimes it is hard to do on your own. But really just being compassionate. I know it's something that I'm struggling with right now is uh, 
making sure that I self-care and take care of myself. And, you know, I I think it's something we all struggle with. Uh, We look at social media and people, you know, kind of compare other people's highlights to your behind the scenes. Um, But I I think, you know, collectively as a community right now, it's it's just a hard time. Like, just be nice to yourself. Go go drink some water. Find a fuzzy blanket. Like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, I love that checking in to see, you know, if you're emotionally ready to support another person. I, I heard someone talk about um, one of the things they do is they they have like a percentage, like, like I'm at 10% right now, or I'm at 80% and then kind of checking with how, wh- what percentage are you at right now to have, like, who can support each other? or Hey, I think now is not the best time, that kind of thing. That's really important. Definitely. Um, Emily, I wanted to ask, what are some examples of self-care that you recommend for your clients? And we talked a little bit about the individuality of it, but how individualized is self-care? I would say it's very individual because it's pertaining to you and yourself. Um, So, you know, I base it off of one, their interests, um, their needs, and um, something I really like to focus on, especially now because we have time, um, is mastery. Uh, What's something that you've always wanted to accomplish or do or take care of that you've just not had the time to do? So that's something I'll hone in on. you know, physically, obviously, that's kind of the the um, one that we always focus on, like doing yoga or going for a run, going into nature walk. But if that really refills a person, then I say you need, you know, try to schedule that into your your routine um, just to kind of recenter and ground yourself um, spiritually, uh, um, whether it's prayer, meditation. That's another great way to just kind of refocus for the day. Um, and then one that's kind of fun, um, that we don't talk about a lot because we think crying, oh gosh, no, that's usually like associated with sadness, but you know, if you've ever had a good cry afterwards, you usually feel pretty good. So I say emotionally, you know, you've got some unhealthy relationships out there. Like this is the time to really take care of that moving forward. Um, and then again, kind of like the compassion, um, acceptance, accepting where you are accepting the situation that we are in and what we can control. Yeah, I definitely, I think knowing what we, you know, accepting what we can control, especially right now is really important. And yeah, I agree with about, with the crying. I think we need like cathartic, you know, feelings sometimes yes. for sure. <laughs> I totally get that. Um, thank you so much. Uh, let's see. So Yasmin, I also wanted to check do you feel that people are grieving over the changes in personal relationships and community during this time? Absolutely. You know, we're grieving the lives that we once had. Um, There's nothing about uncertainty that we like as humans. Um, As humans, we like to kind of understand um, what's going on. We like to have a foreseeable future. Um, So with so much in the air, uh, we are grieving uh, the life that we had, grieving lost vacations, grieving lost jobs, Um, you know, Personally, I I know people that have been uh, positive for Corona, and that's been extremely difficult. Some people are quite literally grieving or grieving lives lost, uh, not to Corona, but not being able to go to a funeral, not being able to do these ceremonies that 
kind of help uh, put bookmarks in our lives, whether it's a wedding, whether, you know, it's your child being born and not being able to have the whole family there in the hospital. Um, people are, are definitely grieving and, and that's okay. And I think that the same way when it's the literal sense of grieving, when there is a lot life lost, um, everybody heals differently. Um, you know, so there's kind of the five steps of grief, uh, Personally, you know, I, I really think that people experience some, if not all, and in different orders. You know, everybody really is different, um, but it's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel nothing. Um, you know, it's okay to feel okay. Um, you know, so however you're dealing with it and whatever feelings are coming up because of it, it's totally okay. And, and it's also not to be compared. You know, I, I hear a lot of people kind of say what they're going through and then apologize that other people have it worse. And while, you know, it is important to acknowledge that some people are disproportionately affected by this, it doesn't mean how you're affected doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it's not really hard. Yeah. Thank you for shedding light on that. Um, Emily, how do relationships affect someone's personal health and self-care? I think we went over it a little bit, but I wanted to see if you had anything else you wanted to add. Sure. I'm so glad that you integrated this question into the podcast because this is my favorite topic um, as far as self-care goes. It's the relationship aspect. I feel like a lot of times self-care can be um, seen as sort of an immediate fix. So like I go do an hour of yoga to ground myself for the day or to get in the right headspace. But I think self-care can be extended to something much deeper as far as relationships go. Um, if you're in a relationship that is unhealthy, whether it's emotional, physical, mental, you know, getting out of that relationship, making the choice to to move forward and end is a huge part of your self-care. Um, because if you're getting damaged by an individual, then again, like that is not self-love and that is not someone respecting you and your boundaries. Um, so, and vice versa, you maybe have a really good support group and a core group of friends or family, you know, stick with it, especially during this time, because that's healthy um, mm -hmm. and they can, you know, feed you goodness. Um, but for me, relationships is a huge part of self-care because again, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you give to others? Right. I think um, you're kind of in a relationship with yourself. If you agree with that, I'm not sure if you both do, but, but yeah, it's important to kind of keep that relationship with yourself healthy and then have that extend to your other relationships too. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, Yasmin, last, as a final question to you here, uh, how can we support one another in ourselves while we are physically and socially distancing? Yeah, I think that it's important to, while we physically distance, to socially connect with one another, to really foster social connections from afar uh, that prioritize both our physical health and our emotional health. Um, you know, just really being self-compassionate, like it, it's really a hard time right now. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned before, I set that boundary with my friends of, I will let you know if I have the emotional and physical capacity to do this. I have a list of people that I really like to check in with. And when I don't have the capacity to, I don't, um, you know, so, you know, put on your oxygen mask before somebody else's. Um, so if you have the capacity to check in on people, send a meme, 
send some puppy photos, uh, <laughs> ask them, how do you like to be supported? Because sometimes we jump to support other people in the way we like to be supported, but people like to be supported in different ways. So, you know, ask yourself how you like to be supported and do that. Um, and share that with your friends and ask your friends how they like to be supported and see how you can help them and, you know, set boundaries of understanding that we're going to support each other when we can. And we're going to, you know, take naps and watch TV when that's the day that we're having and we're going to be okay with that. Um, so it's really just finding what works for you and being kind with yourself and drink some water. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Perfect. And Emily, I wanted to throw the question to you as well. You know, how can we support one another and ourselves while we are physically social distancing? Sure. I think now is the time to be creative. Um, I'll say we're fortunate, and I'm throwing that out there very lightly, um, mm -hmm. to be going through a pandemic with the technology that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, so like, for an example, my girlfriends and I, we all live in different states. We're far away. Every year we do a girlfriend trip. Well, we can't do it this year, unfortunately. Um, so every Saturday we have scheduled on our calendars a Zoom meeting and we play Cards Against Humanity online. So like you can play cards, you can still see each other and talk and laugh and we still check in. And I've seen them more during this pandemic, seen them, uh, than I would if we were back to normal. So, you know, it's just kind of utilizing the things that we do have right now to stay connected, um, having a partner to check in with, whether it's a family member, a friend, uh, a loved one, someone you're dating is also very beneficial. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else that you, Yasmin, or you, Emily, would like to talk about, you know, self-care at all uh, before we sign off? No, I just want to thank you for having us. Um, I think that self-care, mental health, you know, it's stuff that's really stigmatized. And I think starting conversations about it is really the best way to take a step towards destigmatizing it. Uh, so I just really appreciate you holding this space for self-care and for all the podcasts, the whole series that you're doing. Uh, thank you so much to both of you. Of course. Thanks for being on the show, Yasmin. And Emily, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, just a big thank you for giving us the space to talk about something that we're obviously very passionate about. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you both talking about self-care with me today. I think it's a really important topic, definitely. And I think it's a good place to kind of sign off here. So thank you to the listener for listening to the Victim Service Center podcast. The VSC is a nonprofit organization that provides free confidential counseling services for victims of any kind of trauma in Central Florida. To learn more about our services, please visit victimservicecenter.org. And to everyone listening, healing is not linear. You are not alone. And like Yasmin said, please drink water. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining me today.